So, um, time-wise, uh, you okay for the next hour to hour and a half, roughly? That all good with you? Yeah, should be fine. Unless we, Fantastic. we have power out. Yeah, I had a um, power out like uh, 10 minutes before we started. Oh, God. That, that's that's concerning. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Redcast, the show all about exploring the world of entertainment and the many forms it takes. I'm your host, Troy, and welcome to episode 8 of season 2, which as always was available 48 hours early for my Patreon supporters, so if you'd like to get access to these podcast episodes two days early, then head over to www.patreon.com forward slash redarcherlive and pledge as little as a pound to get that early access. Today's episode features game developer Ilya Petruzic as we talk about his time at Overkill, developing Payday the Heist and Payday 2, moving on from Overkill and working at Lime Game Lion, as well as the development and launch of Raid World War 2 and what the company's been up to since then. The only thing I need to point out is that his microphone is not as good as intended. He used a laptop microphone in a place with not very good internet, so it did come out a bit spotty at times. I apologise for that. I've done my best to edit it and make it sound as good as possible, and any bits where it didn't make any sense, I've just cut those out to be sure. But either way, it was a very fun interview. I had a great time talking to him, and I hope you all enjoy the conversation as well. So with that being said, let's get right to the episode. I hope you enjoy it. We will kick off then uh, with me asking how you were doing. So how are you doing today, Ilya? Hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's hot. I'm on my laptop, but it's good. Yeah, it's like well, hopefully we'll be all good with the recording. We've had a an interesting first half an hour with some audio problems. There. <laughs> I think uh, anybody that's that's uh, familiar with LGL and our live streams will know that you know, there's never been one without a technical difficulty so i'm just i'm just keeping the the tradition alive yeah <laughs> it's the best move i always find this there's always some kind of issue with whenever there's a recording there's always something that goes wrong so hopefully we've got ours out the way now and we'll be all good <laughs> so the first question i'd like to start off asking you is uh, obviously you spent some time both with overkill software and with line game line but what i like to do with these episodes is talk about first what got you into the video game industry so if you could explain a bit about what got you into that the kind of roles you're interested in in the industry and then how that led you on to work for overkill yeah i i started um, fairly young like before i knew english uh, i started modding making levels for like gta 1 really really old school uh and just whatever games game editor we could we could get our hands on me and my brother and kids uh, but the thing that I would say like really took off was when Half-Life came out and, and I started making levels for that and joining a bunch of different mods. Um, eventually uh, going to school in Sweden where I studied game development. So it, it was more studying 3D. Um, and then halfway through school, I, I, I got a job in a, a company called Zootfly in Slovenia. So that was my first job. And then I dropped out of school because, you know, I went to school to get a job and now I have a job. So um, I worked there as a 3D environment artist. And then a year later in 2007, I moved back to Sweden uh, and I joined Grin as a level designer. And Grin, of course, is the company that then, where I met Ulf and Bo and Simon, the whole Overkill gang. So when Gil, uh, when Grin went under to join this new company, uh, literally the day after, went to a basement and there was Ulf and Bo, Simon, George, Martin. I think there was eight of us in the beginning. Started doing some app apps and mobile games because that was the indie thing at a time, basically. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think anybody in that group really wanted to do those games like we even did a bunch of cool stuff i think and then one day uh 
went to the store with Ulf to buy lunch, and it was like, should just make a bank robbery game. And then literally on the way back from the store, he like conceptualized on on a uh, not a very deep level, but like the whole game. And we went back to the office, and I just I remember sitting down after lunch and started making First World Bank. Wow. Yeah. Or it wasn't First World Bank at the point. It was a bank. But everybody liked the idea, and we just started making what eventually became payday that's brilliant yeah simon's explained a bit of that perspective about you know very much being an elevator pitch i didn't actually know you weren't at grin i didn't know your history with them went that far back that's fantastic yeah i worked with the diesel engine for far too long <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was oh i don't know what you're talking about diesel's a perfect engine it is it was uh yeah but it was a weird time you know i was fairly young still and and uh when we got the news that, you know, okay, I lost my job, the first thing you do is basically you just look around for new jobs, right? Because um, luckily, we, this is Stockholm, so there was quite a few companies around. And I got an interview at DICE, I remember, literally an hour before Ulf. Oh, we're going to start a new studio and we'd like you to join. And I was just like, okay, cool. So I guess wow. when I go into the interview at DICE, I'd be happy to join. It was... It was uh, Probably, like, can't say the best time of my life, uh, because this is the best time of my life, but, like, career-wise, it was really nice. Uh, I got to work with, like, seven super senior people who knew what they were doing. I was the kid, basically. Everybody was yeah. senior. They worked there for, like, five or six or ten, whatever years or in the industry. But I'd only been there for, like, three years or in the industry for three years. So I was just like, sponge. I was just trying to learn as much as possible from all these people around me. A lot of pressure also, obviously, because I was the level designer, which is basically, you know, the, the level designer is the guy who takes the gameplay code, who takes the design, who takes the art, who takes the animation, and puts it all together. And you got to have a plan. And, you know, I was the one who needed to know, like, oh, what does the AI need to do to make a level fun? Everybody was like, Super on point. Ulf is brilliant because one, he's, he can see things and then like he knows. He probably knew how the whole yeah. game would be just, you know, during that lunch break. He had this thing where he could convey it very well to, to other people. That's brilliant. And I, lo- I love how casually you just kind of like, oh, I went back to the office and just started making First World Bank. You know, like, that's fantastic. You know, the, the role that you play, like, that's definitely one of the most important ones, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, if you can't, take the ideas and put them into a fun level and the game's already a bust there and there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you have a bad, especially like, you know, during prototype, because that's the only thing you have. You have one level, or we had one level. So if the, if the gameplay is great, but the level sucks, then, or if the art is great, but you don't, you know, take advantage of it or whatever. So it was a lot of pressure, but I think it worked out pretty well. I got a lot of help from everybody in the team as well. So it wasn't like nothing was a one-man show either. Like they built, Overkill was built out of eight people who were all uh, really good at their job. And all everybody mm. was from, so we had one animator, we had one artist. Wolf was great at everything. And we had Simon the sound guy. So it was very like everybody had to run with their 
run their ship. It seems to be very much like there's a kind of like a family vibe going on with what started out with Overkill, like so, so many, so few people, and yet everyone, like you know, Simon said, that everyone was wearing different hats at the same time. You know, everyone was doing more than one thing, but everyone was working really well together. It, I like the kind of like the community vibe that 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 gives off. It seems like a really cool environment to build a game on when there's just a small community, and you know. There's not too many voices clashing over things. You all have like a direct vision and you can all help each other out. It, it sounds like it worked out really well. And, you know, you can see that in the first Payday game. Like you can see the the, the vision and the, the focus that it had. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, it was uh, like one of the big things I remember was for the longest time we, we, we had, we didn't have like control assault heat system, which is basically something similar to GTA with the stars. As long as yeah. the mission went on, you would get more stars. The cops ah, okay. would get more angry, send more troops, heavier troops, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And this was like, uh, you know, we worked on that for a long time and a lot of balancing and UI and UX and all that stuff. And then I remember one day, me, Simon and Oath were sitting in the meeting room just like, it'd be nice if it's just like better, <laughs> you know. We need to make it more clear and more simple. It'll be nice if it's just like, okay, now you're in fight mode. Now you're in, you know, objectives mode or... And like that, in half an hour, we, we had heat. Or sorry, uh, control assault, which is like one of the big things in Payday and Payday 2 now. It's what happens a lot of times in, in, in development. It's like you have all these crazy things and these systems, and, and then when you zoom out a little bit, you're like, okay, but if we just, you know, we just remove this, it's much better. But the problem is yeah. a lot of times that you don't get to zoom out or you don't have the time to, to make it better. Or if you tell somebody, like, I'd like to remove this, then they'll say that, but, you know, we're on a schedule, we're already behind, you want to remove stuff, you're crazy, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Nothing of that existing during Payday 1. It was just like eight people in a room that had fun. Then we grew to like 15 people, maybe. It was such a tight group. So when, when, when new people joined, they joined into this thing that was already rolling. And that, that continued, say, pretty well into Payday 2 uh, beginning because we didn't grow the team that much. It's hard to describe, I think, to people, but like you go to work and you just fucking work, you know, you work, you work and... Yeah, it seems like the numbers definitely starts to rise a lot, yeah. Yeah. And when that happens too fast, then people join. They don't join into this. When there was eight of us really tight, and then five people joined, they sort of got absorbed. But when you have, when you have a core of 20 people, or whatever we were, and then you have 20 people join, then all of a sudden, you know, it shifts differently. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, to have influence from... From, from the outside and all of that stuff, but it, it's, it's different. Uh, I think for me, at least, some point is like, okay, but it's maybe a bit too different. We're not these bunch of dudes in a basement or an office doing our thing anymore. So, yeah, that's my Story. I can I can totally say it to be fair, you know, like you get used to that that family aesthetic and if you're adding like one or two people in then it's easy for that to maintain. Once you start adding a lot more people in it's it's very hard. Like if you're adding them quickly, it's not easy to like kind of bring everyone into the atmosphere one by one because all of a sudden like the whole ecosystem's changed. And obviously if you're getting more people then you know you're gonna need bigger offices and things. So yeah, you're like it's not gonna have that basement vibe if you've got 
a super long office with like 40, 50 people at computers doing different things. It's not easy to, to bounce between people. And instead of everyone wearing several hats, you literally have one person with one job and then one person with another unique job. I can, I can see it. It's an interesting perspective, to be fair. I hadn't even thought of it from that angle. Yeah, but I can I can totally grasp how it's not you know your own perception of the company would change. It's not necessarily bad, right? Because every... every any people you bring in, they bring something. Yeah, of it's course. Just a matter of perspective, and, and and some people like that to work with more people, and you know, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it, and then I'll go home. That's fine. But yeah, that that was like the core that we had, because you know, when when you grow the team, all of a sudden you can't just have five level designers. Like somebody needs to lead them. You need to have a lead level. So normally, that would be my job because I've been there for longest. I've been there from the start, uh, I know the game inside and out, blah, blah, blah. But what happens then is basically, okay, I'm a lead, so I can't really make levels. I have to take care of all my people. Ah, uh, so you haven't really got the same job anymore. You're more watching other people do it rather than doing it yourself. Yeah, You're, you're a manager. And I, I managed mm. to fix that by, by being a lead during the day, and then I would just work during the night. I would do like 16-hour days for a year and a half. You can't live like 16 that. 16 hour what? days. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I, I definitely couldn't. I couldn't do it for, for a month, let alone a year. Good grief. But it, again, like, it wasn't forced upon me or anybody else. A lot of people worked a lot of hours. It was just like, there was this, it's all like we're creative people. So when you get to work on something that, that fits all the boxes, like, okay, I like the game. I like the style of the game. I like the way, you know, it's going to end up. It's going to be. Everybody knew in the office, it was also weird, like, there was going to be a hit. Nobody was mm. saying it. It wasn't like we were walking around. It was just like, I had the feeling of, like, whatever amount of hours I spend, we just make it better. Because beta 1 wasn't necessarily a hit. It was okay, you know. Economically worked out mm. for us. And, but it was nothing like, it wasn't even, like, 1% of what Payday 2 did on March. Yeah, like, Payday the Heist definitely was, yeah, didn't hit. Like, Payday 2 exploded, you know, yeah. that was what I think got a lot of people into it. I know for me, myself, it was mainly because I didn't know Payday 1 was a thing because it wasn't on Xbox, but... Okay, yeah, yeah, it was just PlayStation 3. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, not, I don't appreciate the favoritism there, to be honest, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was weird, like, knowing, but not, not knowing. And it wasn't like we were going around saying, oh, this is going to be the best fucking thing since sliced bread. You just had the feeling that, oh, whatever I do goes into the game and it, it makes sense and I feel good. All the creative parts of the brain get, get endorphins and I'm happy and the game's going to get be really good. Because yeah. everybody who makes games has worked on a shitty game, <laughs> night and day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no no i see what you mean i see what you mean um would you also perhaps say that you know the change of the atmosphere also played into simon and ulf and some of the people leaving the company i imagine that you know having other people having a lot of people join was one thing but also the people that you were in that basement with originally not being in there anymore must have also shifted the dynamic quite a bit yeah i mean i, I can't speak for anybody else why, why they would leave uh, but i i think it's more or less the same issues because it's, it's like, it you know, it starts to get big and you have to think big and all this. It just doesn't, like, we were an underground rock band and then all of a sudden we had a, you know, 
big time manager who wanted us to play Madison Square Garden every weekend. It's a weird way of putting it, but like... No, no, I get you, I get you. Um, yeah, you miss the kind of like the simple like stripped back feel of it. Yeah, like a couple of friends in a, in, a, in a garage. I tried to quit like a year before I did. But it was never... That's, oh! That's another thing. It's like, it's never a good time, you know. We're all, but we, we're just releasing this. Oh, okay, so you finish it and it's like, yeah, but we need to... There's always something. It took me a year to like always going to be something like there's going to be any dlc there's going to be any whatever i just like i, mm. I gotta i gotta leave i left with the with the intention taking a, a year's a break take care of the burnout you know chill and live life play guitar and stuff like that but maybe a month in uh, i went up to zagreb where my brother had started lying game lion and i just felt felt the same urge again from from day one like 15 guys in an office and everybody was super cool together and worked well and we got to do DLCs for Payday 2. It was almost like a reboot. I could basically do, still do my job but I could go back to go back in time to, you know. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. So based on that, because that one thing I wanted to ask you uh, after you were saying that, you know, obviously your brother will have drawn you to Lion Game Lion, but was there any point after you left Overkill where you considered maybe going on with 10 Chambers and GTFO or did the time not line up? I'm, I might have got my years mixed up here. That might not have been an option to begin with. I mean, yeah, there was, uh, I was talking to Wolf about it, but it, it wasn't 10 Chambers or GTFO at that point. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was very early on. Let's do something garage again, basically. Uh, but I, I had, like, younger brothers. I had... Had a little like big brother, you know. I, I gotta go help him. Basically, I had a choice. And, yeah. yeah. No, no, that makes total sense. I can see why you go for your brother. It's just I was wondering because I mean I didn't even know. Like I said, that you were tied to Grin at all, so I didn't know the relationships you have with the people there were, you know, so long in the making. So yeah. um, it's just interesting to get that perspective. Um, you mentioned having potentially some interesting behind the scenes little bits of uh, of info with uh with payday is there any particular stories you had in mind when you were telling me about that that you'd like to share yeah i, I do have a funny story actually when we when we did payday the initial idea was uh that the bank robbers they were like nameless so it was like i think the names were like american german russian british they didn't have any names any masks we had some concepts where they had like balaclavas one of the ideas from the beginning was that all the faces would be blurred out we didn't want to make faces and facial animations and blah 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 blah. And then at some point we'll start making masks just to like try something. Uh, and he was working on American and I remember like he would do I don't know something, put a star like over the eye. Ah oh, that's too much like this too American or some weird like we were, getting, we were getting weird comments around the office. Or no, it, it was like not American enough. Whatever he did was not American enough. And he just went crazier and crazier. And then Eva was like, just put the American flag on it. That should be American enough. And everybody was, or everybody, <laughs> like the people around there were laughing. And I think Ulf did it in a couple of minutes. And everybody looked at it and like, I mean, it is. And it's not, a, you know, we were worried that it's maybe like over the top. turned out to be a pretty... Pretty dope idea or, or uh, suggestion. 
because that's literally like the face of payday, the Dallas mask. Yeah, I mean, it, do, it doesn't exactly sc- like scream subtlety, so I'm not surprised, you know, the initial reaction. They're like, really, just the flag over the mask, really? But it is, it's it's, it's a very kind of like um, in-your-face mask design, but it works really well. It's, I think it really does work very well. Yeah, then, it's iconic. You know, did, like um, Dallas and Wolf and um, Chains in like 30 minutes, maybe. And that's how they actually Blimey. got their names in the end. Because they were still, like, German. And... It's brilliant how, like, you know, sometimes it takes so little time to just come up with these ideas. It's like you said, you know, he kind of, like, had an elevator pitch, came up with the game, and you were on it. And then it's like, oh, you just put up a mass design in 30 minutes, and boom, it was changed. Like, it's it's quite impressive how some of these things you think might take ages, but actually they're kind of, like, very off the cuff and yet work brilliantly. Yeah, and that's the thing with these small, cool teams, like, you can do those things. It's very hard yeah. to do that when you have like a seventy-man team with a you know, ten million dollar budget and, and a publisher and blah 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 blah. I, I still miss that from day to day. Those things happen nonstop. Like we would cut a level, just like, oh, ah, that doesn't work. Boom, okay. Or a decision we we, we would uh, make would make it so that. Like, okay, but now we can't have this level in the game because we just changed this thing on the fly, you know? Oh, wow. How many levels do you think I ended up getting rid of, roughly, like, for reasons like that? In Payday 1, I don't know, 8, 9, 10 levels that, that we cut for, for one wow. reason or another. Yeah. Kind of gives you, like, um, like, the same vibes as making an album. You hear about artists that write, like, 20 songs, end up shaving 10 off and being like, right, that's the perfect album. That's all it needs to be. It kind of... Yeah. Seems quite similar to that, you know. We've got twenty heists here, but it's like, oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Okay, let's just shave it down to the very best and put them out. That's yeah, that's interesting. Let's, yeah, let's take this part, from this heist that we cut and put it on here. We did stuff like that as well. It sometimes mm. works out. Same with music, right? Let's take this chorus and put it as a bridge in this. Yeah, that's been the worked well with Payday too, as well with some of the three day heists they did at the start, where like with Firestarter or something, for instance, like you know, Data Firestarter on its own is not really a heist. But yeah, you put it as like a, a pro, like a little middle round to something else, and it, it flows a lot better and it works. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. It's cool. It's always interesting to get these perspectives because I'm, I have no experience at all with like game design. I don't know the the single thing about it. Like I tried to open source filmmaker wants to try and mess around with some things, and I can't even understand that. So like I'm I'm completely clueless. So I always love getting to know like some of the. Inside. the thoughts behind certain things i think it's fantastic yeah one thing i did want to ask you because this is something that's plagued me for a very very long time and i want a confirmation so i know for sure Ilya the sniper that's you right yeah you had simon he was paying because you know economically and production wise it was very easy and, and smart for us it was a smart move this, yeah this basically Ilya the sniper is the same thing i figured uh, that was probably the same reason but i wanted to be sure because i mean I feel like I should have known it was you to be sure. Anyway, it was like, no, let's just, let's get the real scoops here. We, just, we basically didn't wouldn't have the time to like find an actor, hire an actor, record the lines, send them all of that mm. jazz. I think some of the pilots are Almir. Another pilot is George, one yeah. of the programmers. Easy and cheap. Yeah, you have to pay a voice actor. Just go. Oh, can you? What kind of voices can you do? I can do that. Oh, there you go. You go in the booth. You record those lines. Save us some money. Perfect. Yeah. It's cool. It's it's kind of, it gives it more of like an indie vibe, and I think Payday Two, despite it, you know, obviously having more backing behind it and being a more popular game, still has that kind of like indie uh, sensibility to it. Payday the Heist definitely does, but Payday Two does have like a lot of those kind of edges where it's like you know, this was a game that was built by just a few people, despite how popular it became. Now, like the the core framework was not done by many people, so 
So it was. It's a really good feeling to that game. It was. It's a really unique thing that I appreciate a lot, especially when you put it up against other games. You got Grand Theft Auto, which was like the thing I. GTA 5 was something I compared immediately to Payday 2 when I first got into it. I was like, oh, so it's like the GTA 5 heists, but it's own game. Yeah. And it's wild when you think about how many people must have contributed to just like one heist in GTA 5 and compare it to like how many people worked on bank heists in Payday 2. Like yeah. the difference must be astronomical. Maybe yeah. ridiculous amount of people like in difference between the two studios. I think Rockstar had more lawyers than, than we had like developers in total they probably do you're not wrong they probably do to be completely honest with you but um, that was another like uh that's a big oof thing she always said like okay so you know there's like 10 of us We're, there's gonna be 15 of us we can't we can't fight with those games like we can't you know so let's just do our own thing let's do that well yeah when gta 5 heist came out we weren't really worried, like, okay, shit, everybody's going to drop our game and go play that instead. Because we knew that, like, our heists are really, really, really good and really detailed, and, you know, that's what the mm-hmm. game's about. So when GTA heist, uh, Fire Heist came out, it was more the other way around, or people from GTA come out, came over to Payday 2. Yeah, I, I always had that criticism that, you know, the GTA 5 heist they released for the online stuff, like, they're kind of amending it a bit more now, but even even then, it's like, you know, it feels far more linear, I think, than Payday 2 does. Especially the first ones that released, it was very much just, you have to do this mission, this mission, this mission, then you play the heisting exactly this way, you don't get any say, that's it. You know, Payday 2 never had that problem. There was always the stealth or loud tactic, and, you know, they've evolved on that and experimented with it since. I, I always thought it that the... I, I think it's probably because with Payday 2, you're only focusing on the heist, and GTA's got to think about all the other game elements, but I think once you just able to focus on the heists yeah. themselves you can put a lot more time into the the versatility and the features and the options that you've got rather than here's a few heists they're basically missions but we're putting money in them so it, it looks yeah. more like a heist you know it, it felt very like much like a typical gta campaign but you were making money at the same time so yeah. i always thought payday 2 had that that kind of one up that advantage over gta in that sense yeah i mean gta is fantastic game oh, oh it's brilliant they yeah. do their things really really well and i'm sure the new heist stuff is even even better Mm. Old stuff was I do wonder cool. if now they take inspiration from Payday, you know, because like you look at like the most recent stuff they've done, like the Casino Heist and the new one on the island that came out at the end of last year. It's like you look at that stuff now and you're like, oh, they're really starting to make you, you know, pick a few things now. I wonder if you know there's some internal discussions where they went, you know, there's some games you know, like Payday Two, you know, there's a lot more choice. Maybe we should go down that route. And especially the solo thing, that's something that Payday Two's always had been able to play on your own. And GTA, until recently, has been like, nope, has to be four players. You've got to get some people together. You haven't got friends? Make friends. You know, find the people. Whereas for me nowadays on Payday, most of the time, if I'm not streaming, I'm playing on my own. I hop in and get gameplay and just relax, and I don't tend to play with a lot of people. That's probably not the way Payday's intended, but it's the way I play it. Whereas I didn't have that opportunity in GTA. I feel like, you know, there's, there's definitely some strengths to the way Payday ran things that made it, you know, better. That's... that's you know the like um it's good to have um good to have limits we had lots of limits like yeah we had a we had an old engine we had very few people very few like engine programmers we had very low budget like we we just had to make sure that whatever we do like has to be 100% great and it has to go into the game otherwise we're just we can't even finish it. So that's what, what I think why it's a good heist 
simulator because that's mm. everything yeah. is made with that in mind. After payday one, we had a uh, we had a sit down like as a group. Okay, what do we do next? And that's when I pitched raid actually the first time. Not, oh, not as raid, but like I want to do a World War Two game. But and then we started talking like let's let's do payday two. You know, okay, blah blah blah. Everybody's on board, and I remember saying like, I don't really care how much we need to work. I don't care. You know. If, kill ourselves working hours or whatever i just want to make a game five or ten or twenty years somebody can you know when they're making a game they should go like oh like in payday or you know they should reference us like i do with yeah one or half-life or zelda or you know any of my favorite games um but and that's sort of happening like there's a lot of games that obviously take inspiration from payday like there's a there's a on the marketplace on the Unreal marketplace there's like an art set that you can buy that's literally the first one bank, but like in, in cartoony style. I made that bank and I made that in SketchUp. So when I you know it's like, oh that's what I wanted, <laughs> you know when I was a kid. Now you're sort yeah. of just like not appreciating it in a weird way because it's just like you can't walk around like oh they like what we did or we don't get much time to like sit down and go like oh actually you know life's pretty good we made a cool game we made a nice thing people like it you just you know plow on but yeah after pay the one was mm. a pitch pitch raid person or a world war ii game um with four players because again like the limits were our next game it has to have like whatever percent of in the highest in it because we can't just make something from scratch again there was a, a four-player co-op game in world war ii yeah well it's interesting that you mentioned that you pitched raid first as like the the kind of precursor to payday 2 because my next question to you was how was raid conceptualized you know when you went over to line game line was that already in discussion or did you bring that idea with you to the company how did that all work from the beginning even before uh it was sort of half I don't know how to describe it. It was like half pitch because I've been I, I had been talking about this during Payday Two as well. Just like it would be so nice to like do a World War Two game with your friends and have these classes, blah 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 blah. Like what I'm trying to say is, Lion Game Lion didn't say we want to make this World War Two game. It was more like I got asked by Bo like, oh, you should pitch us your World War Two thing, and then I went. The other guys, and we sat down, talked about what we wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, and then we we pushed it to the board. And it was really weird because I had been away from Starbreeze for maybe a year and a half. I got back, and yeah, they had a new office, and it's fucking huge, and there's like 300 people there, and I don't know anybody. It was like being home, but not being home. <laughs> if that makes sense, very weird. But yeah, we we pitched the raid. Um, they really liked it. And we started making great. We did the pitch like in August. And production started in, in January following that. So it must have been 2000. Yeah, we pitched it in 15 and we started production in 16. Well, that's cool. It was your idea then. You know, you conceptualizing it. It's nice that you had the idea for a while and then finally got to see it realized in its own way. You know, it's something that you already ha- always had in the back of your head and you finally got to see that achieved with uh, with LGL. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it 
what released was very different from 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 both the pitch and the initial initial idea. We we, we had yeah. lots of stories. Was like that point getting into publishing, and you know they had uh, that by daylight. They were growing. And they were new with this. Um, we were a fairly new studio as well. Like been around for maybe a year at that point, year and a half. We did a couple of DLC stuff, Payday, and some feature stuff that we worked on. But it was very different. And what, what happened was that a lot of our deadline got changed a bunch of times. And not like a month, but like a year. And what happens is if, mm. if you know, you have a idea, right? So, okay, the game's going to work like this. It has these whatever systems and these things. They all work together. And then you start working on that, and I'm like, okay, but you have to release it a year earlier. So you go, okay, fuck. Now we have, like, we have to remove this, you know, half of this. Yeah. Because you can't just remove one thing. There's five other things depending on it. And then we, you know, had to, like, okay, we have to figure this out and get it out in a year or whatever that was. But then we've got more time later on. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can go back to your original idea, because... Since then, yeah. you removed half, and you have not, you know, you evolved into something new. So it was very like driving a big, big truck that has water in it, and then when you do a slight turn, the water, you know, keeps moving, and you can't really just turn back. So it's, it's, it, it was this quite painful process, I'd say, of trying to like, okay, we're going this way now. Let's, you know, let's grab what we can on the way. Oh shit, we gotta turn again. Okay, don't turn too fast because then you're just gonna tumble over. Yeah, I can imagine it, it can't be the nicest thing to have like a, a specific plan and then not being able to execute all of it because of time I mean, constraints. That happens, right? It's fine. It's just part of the whatever creative thing you're doing. And you gotta try to, you know, have all the, the team members on board and try to, like, okay. Because the last thing you wanna do is. is put negativity on everybody, on everybody. Then everybody's just miserable. Oh, yeah, you got to kind of, like, you know, get on with it and keep working, yeah. yeah and try to keep morale up as can and make the best of it, because you still got to finish something and release it. And it, it, it was, you know, some of it was because we're a fairly new studio, so I guess our progress maybe wasn't good enough for, for, for the publisher at the time. They were mm. a new publishing studio, you could say. They didn't have just us. They had a whole catalog that they had to like, you know, make sure it works. You yeah, had a lot of studios at the time. I was I was quite surprised by that when I realized like how many people were under that umbrella. It, it, I'm telling you, like the the first time I went there, like after my one year off thing or LGL, three hundred people. So I, I don't even, you know, there's. I don't know, 250 of these people. Everything was much slower, but it was always stressful because there was always something new. E3 is coming up. You need a demo. Oh, but we didn't know. Okay. And this is the guy who's going to take care of it. Okay. And then you like hurry up, finish something. And then, no, there's a new guy. You have to explain everything. So it's like, basically, there was a lot of back and forth. And I think, okay. as I said, like... Us being a fairly new company, them being a fairly new publisher, it was just a bad combination at the time. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, well, 
The next thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, after Raiden released, obviously it didn't get the response that I think a lot of people had hoped for and, and wished, unfortunately. I mean, I, I myself, when I first played the launch, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I revisited it, as you know, on stream and, and found even myself that I, there was a lot more to it than I'd realised. But my question to you was mainly, first off, what actually happened that brought Raid to an end? Because as far as I saw on my end, it was very much that, you know, you released a couple of extra raids after the game had come out and then everything just suddenly went radio sound. There wasn't really a message to say, you know, this is the last thing, this is here's our final plan it was just kind of like okay radio sounds are nowhere so what was happening behind the scenes at that time first of all i think like if you remember when i was telling you when we made pity 2 everybody just knew it's going to be a great game when it releases on on, on, yeah. on raid everybody just knew that like this is some this average it was just non-stop shifting and you know um so that was one of those things, and I think when it released, I do think that, or I know personally, like I think even much worse than I expected. Personally, like I knew it wasn't eighty mm. two or anything like that, but I think it was it was way worse than we expected. I think like I didn't really understand the. It's obviously, as as a developer, you watch streams, you watch the YouTube things. You not only for work. One thing I I watch all of it, like still all the way stuff, to get the feedback, all the streams to get feedback. Like okay, they don't like this part, or some somebody doesn't like this. Blah blah, you know, this is good. Blah blah blah, whatever. I noticed like there was so much. I don't know how to how to say it without like too negative but like all the stuff i was seeing on youtube and, and twitch was like oh but it was payday people who didn't even want to play this game who were playing this game and they obviously didn't want to play the game so they were not happy playing the game and it started to like snowball hate and negativity oh god yeah on top of like that and the game wasn't well, like it wasn't very good. It was rushed. We did a lot of stuff from the beta, uh, beta to to launch to try to fix as much as we could, but it was just not enough. So it was this snowball of like, you know, <laughs> both of those things. Because we knew, or we knew, we, we we took all the reviews, had a big list of all the playthroughs that I've seen on YouTube and on Twitch. Like, you know, the actual game feedback. It's very narrow. Like there's ten different things. It's not a hundred things. It's ten things that we can fix, right? Let's fix two, and then four, yeah. and then four more, and it's fine. But it was it was very hard uh, to do that together with the snow, you know, negativity snowball coming towards you, as well as as a studio, you have to pay people salary, right? And the game is not making money, so it's very hard to motivate people to put their soul into you know all right let's let's fix this and this and that so i I would hold a meeting and be like okay on you know an example but like on wednesday we need to have a build xyz and then somebody would say like yeah but it's gonna change anyway so who cares even after like the third or fourth update it was very clearly not like getting the dip players back after update five it was more of a Okay, uh, we had to lay people off, so we had like 20 people laid off at that point. 
And what we did was, when we gave everybody severance, we didn't ask them to come in and work during those month, months. So people got paid for two months and they could go home and look for other jobs because the job situation in Croatia wasn't really great. So having people to work for two months and then look for jobs wouldn't really... I mean, you can look for jobs while you work, yeah, but no, it's it not sense. the same. And it was more like the rest of the updates were more like, okay, let's just do this for our own sake. At least, you know, we fix some of the stuff that we can with the amount of people that we do have so that we can be proud of it. We did all those updates and all that stuff, our own money, while, while uh, making some new stuff. Fabrice so did chip in, to be, really, to be fair, and all that on the voice acting for Silo and Kelly. But the rest was just our own. I think the, the most frustrating part for me was we couldn't really be transparent about any of it. I mean, you know what happened to Starbreeze during that period and the whole like before and after Walking Dead stuff imploded. Mm. We were really afraid of like, okay, but we can't just stay. We can't stop working on it, right? We can't officially say that. Because we didn't know the the what are the ramifications even just like uh legally we say that we don't work on this anymore i don't know yeah it's, it's, it's a difficult thing I, I really wish there wasn't so much kind of like red tape or uncertainty around you know can we say this can we not because it's 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 not a nice thing you know you want to be kind of transparent but you know you can't be and i think at the same time people were already starting to make their own conclusions anyway i know like a lot of people in my kind of circle were kind of looking and going okay i think they've kind of you know stopped now they've kind of just given up and it's it's just such a sad situation you know because i feel like a lot of games these days are pushed to certain deadlines that that they just either can't fit or if they can they shouldn't be forced to because as you said because I, I mean i don't know what the features are that you're mentioning you know i don't know how many you know you could even say but you know there's always the question of if you could yeah. have left those features in how much difference would it have made would it have been a lot and you know it, it might well have been it's i'd say uh, like uh it's not so much the features like uh Raid as a as a original idea and what we started working with very far from payday like it wasn't a payday clone at some point it had to become one because you know there's no time and this is what what works just do this okay i'd say that's the biggest difference like uh and I think that was a bit scary to to whoever uh, pulled strings. This is not what we've done before, so maybe it's not going to work. Yeah, and I did wonder that as well. I did think, you know, because it was very much a... Even the marketing, I mean, I don't know, like, I didn't see all the marketing, obviously, but it very much felt from Overkill side whenever they promoted it, it was kind of just like, if you like Payday, you'll like Raid World War Two. It was, you know, they very much did lean in towards the end of it being a, a Payday clone, and I, I always wondered whether that was the intention from the beginning, but... I think that was, like, to be super honest, I think that was more interpreted that way from from the players. Like, I think Aris did a, a okay job with the marketing and stuff, and certainly the people who worked with were all, like, really good and really yeah. great. It was the same, just, like, we have to hurry, we have to hurry. It was always hurt. Um, but I think, like, I don't think it was marketed as a, clone as such I think it can be interpreted that way I guess and it was because I think yeah. most of the negative feedback we, we did get was oh it's it's worse than payday it's not as good 
or it's too close or it's it's too far away and that's very hard like when i talked about feedback earlier when we gather all the feedback there's like tangible points the game is too grindy that's a tangible point okay we can fix that and most of the feedback was it's too close to payday or it's not a, a close enough payday and the, like you can't really yeah it's not something you can that. fix really uh, i think it makes sense people uh, react to that way and it's just a combination of the game was what happened how it was marketed how it was perceived, all of that together. Yeah, it's it's a real shame, especially with how long you know the idea was in the making. It's it's a real shame that it worked out the way it did. But um, the thing I uh, wants to kind of wrap things up, I suppose, with was was a question I've had to you, which is something I've been wondering for a long time, and I'm sure a lot of people have um, who are on the outside here, is that since raids stopped getting updates, like just in general, line game line have been radio silent. There's been nothing. So. What can you tell me, if anything, of course, about either what A, you're up to, or B, Line Game Line are up to, looking towards the future? We, 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 after the raid, during update 5 or 6 something, we, we have in, in parallel, we started working on a new game, a prototype, which since a weird story, but like the short version is basically we, we, we sold it. And then this last year, we've been working on something new, which is our own thing. Uh, we've been doing some outsource work for other companies and level design work and some, some design work and I've been outsourced as well. Like trying to get our economy back on. And we're basically using all of that that we gathered and making a new thing. Which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, can't tell you much yet, uh, but it's so far, it's just indie. Like it's just, uh, it's literally, you know, back to the basement. So there's like ten of us right now. Eight. There's nine of us. Uh, we have some outsource help that we use for, you know, so we don't have to scale up and uh, lay off people if it doesn't work out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the plan is to like do it the way that I like, basically. So anything can change if it needs to. There's no deadline for, for anything, so we're going to take a good two, two and a half year to finish our prototype. And uh, when that's finished, it should be long to, to have some sort of release. And we'll see if that's like a published game or if we do it ourselves. And we're already a bit in, so hopefully next year we'll, we'll show something. We have a bunch of people that we show something to every day from the community. So we, we get feedback early and have some people who've already tried super early version and that's something we want to do as soon as we as soon as we uh, announce it is through our discord have people actually play the game during you know pre 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 alpha and pre alpha and alpha and get feedback along the way not just like oh here's a beta give us the feedback you know oh we can't do that because we're too far in that's the plan it is a fps and it, it is cool because that's what we like to do. It's not four-player co-op, though. Oh, okay. Two-player. So it's, it's, it's similar but different. I'd say it's very different. Okay, all right. Well, I'm interested to hear about more from that in the future, then. And if you know, if you want anyone else to help with uh, with the community testing, you just uh, give me a shout and I'll, I'll, I'll have a look. Yeah, you're no. the, you're, it sounds good. It sounds good. You're on the Discord now, so any day there might be a ping, right? I'll keep an eye. I'll keep an eye out. 
um, that's good though because I wanted to know what you guys have been up to for a while and it, it was it was always kind of like a mystery to me I was like I wonder if they're just waiting like to re- release the next game and then just be like hey we're back and it seems like you know that's kind of the vibe you're going for which is good which is good and I'm glad that you know this time around you don't have to worry about deadlines you do what you want when you want and you you get your game to the point you want it to be without any constraints and then you take it from there I feel like that's you know the right way to go about it and I feel like too many games these days don't get that opportunity so I'm really glad to hear that it's going to get the time it deserves basically it's hard to do that because you need you need your own funding so that's I've been doing. Yeah, it's a, it's a good plan. I, I would say it's probably, you know, a, a longer and a harder one to, you know, get the money yourself. But I feel like then you've got, you know, as you, you've been saying all the way through, you've got less people on the team, you've got less outside voices, you're getting to execute your own vision without any external pressure or too much changing. So, you know, in the long run, it's a better plan. And it, I, I really, really hope it works out. I really do. So there we go. That uh, That is all the questions I wanted to ask you, Ilya. So thank you very much for coming on. Before we wrap it up, though, uh, are there any social media accounts, anything like that you'd like to promote before we go, if anyone wants to keep in touch with you, Line Game Line, or any other connections? Yeah, I mean, uh, my Twitter, I guess, which is at overkill underscore Ilya, I think. And, uh, and the Line Game Line Discord, where... Basically, it's raid stuff right now, but eventually when the new game um, gets announced, that's why what, what that's going to happen. But it's a nice nice little channel with a bunch of people, and we play raid from time to time, and we talk a bunch of stuff. Sounds good. good. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much, Ilya. It's been an absolute blast recording with you, and it's, it's good to get to know a bit more about line game line and, and raid and all that, as well as the overkill stuff. Like I said, I mean, I, I had no idea you'd worked at Grin, so just even getting that background and... I think for me personally, combining what you've said with what Simon said, it starts to form a, a bigger picture as to how everything worked in the early days. And I really like finding out about that stuff. So maybe one day I'll get hold of Ulf and he'll be able to fill in the final bits of the picture. But that's uh, yeah. that's a story for another day. It's just, it's it's fascinating. I really like getting to hear about those early days. I think it's really, really cool to see even just the progression from Grin to Overkill to now. It's, it's fascinating. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thank you for having me. I've never been on a podcast, so it's been fun. <laughs> it's been a great time having you on. Thank you, Ilya. Thank you.